This is Blank on Blank, distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. I'm David Gerlach. There comes a time when the needs and sometimes the demands of having a family challenge one's creative and professional pursuits. Do you leave the big city for a slower pace somewhere else? I mean, do you choose a safe, secure job rather than take a risk or follow a dream? These are the eternal questions and ones the novelist John Updike faced back in the late 1950s. I was trying to get away from uh, the hassle and the expense of the city. uh, And if I was going to be a New York culture vulture, I shouldn't have gotten married and had children. But basically, children are very, they pin you down. And uh, if I was going to be pinned down, if we were going to be pinned down, why not be pinned down uh, at least somewhere where we could park the car for free and (laughs) and get some, you know, free air, uh, grass and sunshine and so on. listening to an interview with John Freeman from 2002. Freeman is an award-winning writer and book critic, and his profile of John Updike appears in the new book, How to Read a Novelist. Now back to the tape. I didn't know when we moved it, I'd be up there the rest of my life. I thought to become a serious American writer when I was like a novel or two. I was a New Yorker contributor, and I hadn't written a novel, so I gave myself this uh, sabbatical which stretched then into a, into a lifestyle that, that lasted all my life. I sat in this rented house in this uh, North Shore town, and uh, after writing a couple of short stories, which I took so I knew I, I wouldn't starve uh, <laughs> yet. Meanwhile, we were getting used to the town and to country suburban living and uh, bought a house. Uh, I actually begged a Guggenheim uh, grant so I could feel I could take a break from trying to write and sell short stories. It was a mere thousand dollars in those days. A thousand dollars, thousand dollars went uh, went a much longer, longer way than it does now. And uh, I felt too. I said I was a Pennsylvania, you know, Dutch, Dutchman, and I thought if I'd taken the money, I would write the book. And so I wrote that on for much of 59, uh, much of 1959. Uh, so that was how I wrote that uh, As somebody who's had a family of your own and has been producing an admirable amount of work every year for 50 some odd years, how did you strike that balance? In those days, you know, the man worked and earned the bread and the wife took care of the children, whether it was one or, as in my case, four. After the children got to be uh, four in number and all very young and pretty noisy, they couldn't help it, uh, my wife suggested I get out of the house. For her too, in a way. And there's something very nice about having children in a home. They bring into it all the sort of the new things, the new gadgets, the new words so that it's, it's a plus that's for a writer up to a point to have children around, but after a while they do get to be distracted. So, so I rented a room and tried to go to work. But I was seeing it as a job and as a livelihood, and I think I was maybe the last generation that could actually try to enter the literary profession uh, as, if, as if it was a trade and something you did and you produced a product that was useful enough that you'd get paid for it and 
Now I think it's harder. There was a lot more magazines that paid for short stories, and a dollar went a long way. Well, I've been rereading my old uh, short stories, and of course the, the sums of money that the people deal in is laughable. Uh, two men eating lunch in a New York restaurant for less than five dollars. Uh, I could hardly believe these figures, but there they were. What brings you to your writing desk every morning? To put the more fearful, uh, anxiety-ridden spin on this, uh, there's the fear that you've somehow neglected to say what was really yours to say. I mean, you've neglected somehow the key thing. It's not likely I've written a lot. I must have somewhere uh, touched on almost every aspect of my life and my experience. Nevertheless, there's this haunting fear that maybe the thing, the thing you left out. out is going to finally be captured. <laughs> oh. That's John Updike on Family Affairs. He died in 2009 at age 76. You should watch the animated version of this episode. It's part of our series with PBS Digital Studios. You can watch it on YouTube and at blankonblank.org. Thanks again to John Freeman. His book is called How to Read a Novelist. We have a link to it on our website. Jane Marie produced this episode with me. Rob Kahn handled the audio restoration. We tweet at blank on blank. Like our Facebook page to see all that we're finding in the archives, near and far. And we're always looking to hear lost interviews on tapes and hard drives. So drop us a line to interviews at blankonblank.org. All right, that's it for now. I'm David Gerlach. Keep listening.